computer. What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Uncensored Critic podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest, someone who is a very good personal link, link to me in my life, someone I've had the pleasure of actually working with uh, at the National Theatre a few years ago on my on a country called My Country, a work in progress. I can't speak today. It's really helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, My Country, Work in Progress. And of course, my guest is Christian Patterson, who, uh, who I have to say had a genuine laugh a minute working with at the national on such an incredible production to work with um an amazing cast and of course the great rufus norris himself um so rufus if you're listening i've sent you an invite please come on <laughs> i know you've got a lot to deal with at the moment mate but, uh, but please <laughs> but if you do have the time in the next few weeks my door's always open for you so uh, without further ado let's introduce Christian. So Christian was born and raised in Swansea, a proud Welshman like myself. Uh, he trained at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama and has actor, writer and director credits to his CV. His recent credits include uh, The Way of the World at the Donmar Warehouse, St Nicholas, Blackbird, Blasted, The American Clock at the Old Vic, One Man, Two Governors, uh, but that, that was in Cardiff, wasn't it? Uh, actually, that was down in Pembroke, that. Down oh, in Pembroke, oh, my Wales, yeah, yeah. Uh, my one man two governors playing the lead Francis Henschel and of course my country a work in progress at the National Theatre. Uh, Christian has been nominated for several Wales Theatre Awards and actually won Best Actor for Blasted in 2016. He is a he is proud associate actor of the North Wales Theatre Company. Credits there include The Rise and Fall of the Little Voice, Insignificance, All My Sons, Aristocrats, Rape of the Fair Country, Glengarry Glen Ross, yeah, as you like it. And of course, he's appeared on television as well. And his credits include Handstand, Ellen, Hobby City, Doctors, Miss Selfridge, uh, Crodmandoon, I think I said that right. And of course, My Country, which was on from the National, made it into a BBC Two uh, show of that year when it was on at the National. So yeah, you've got, you've done a lot of work, my friend, I have to say. Well, yeah, I've done a fair amount. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of, uh, well, actually, oh, well, well done for reading through all those credits. And you did read Prodmandoon, right? Prodmandoon and the Flaming Sword of Fire. That was on uh, BBC Two oh, about 15 years ago. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I played a character in it called Horst Draper, who was the local horse molesterer. <laughs> Comedy, as you can imagine. <laughs> and Matt Lucas was in it. I was not well. expecting that this morning. <laughs> no, no, no. Matt Lucas was in it as well. And there was a character called um, Emperor Zanus. Uh, which you know it was just really silly and it was really good fun you should check it out actually it's really good six episodes yeah. all half an hour narrated by the wonderful michael gambon oh amazing talent what was it like working with matt lucas at, at the time it must have been quite a hoot it was incredible actually because um i guess matt was probably at the height of his fame and um um there were a lot of other amazing actors in it like sean mcguire roger allen um wow Kevin Hart no yeah, way yeah 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 I, I always say to Dylan our dad's worked with Kevin Hart you know and um and I, I had to show him the the DVD to to prove it um but yeah it was it was astonishing and Matt Lucas was kind of like the um he's as funny off camera um as he is on camera you know and he's very very likable I didn't spend a lot of time with him just a couple of days um, but I was on it for about ooh, three, four weeks. He was on it for the full thing, of course. Hmm. But he was just delightful. Uh, and 
Um, yeah, he's lovely. And I reached out to him actually because Dylan had gone through the Little Britain phase. Dylan's my son. And when he was going to comp, I just said on Twitter, oh, Matt, you know, would you, Dylan loves um, uh, Little Britain. I played Horse Draper in Prob Mountain. Would you just say good luck, you know? And he came back as, um, well, what's that character he used to do? Uh, yeah, but no, but. Oh, uh, uh, Vicky Pollard. Vicky Pollard. He came back with a long message as, as Vicky Pollard, which of course Dylan's. Oh. He sounds like a genuine sweetheart, Matt. He was delightful. And he's, you know, bloody funny man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I listened to, um, he did a great podcast with, um, oh, I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll put the link in the description of, um, of this. I think it was, um, it was a podcast called Unfiltered. And, and uh, he was on with, oh, I can't remember the host name. So I, I will do some research on that one. Uh, he, he talked a lot about his, um, how Little Britain actually, you know, whilst it was funny. And of course, I, roared with laughter at little britain back in the day and it's so funny but somehow but in this changing landscape that we find ourselves in at the moment with uh, you know you know black lives matter and the, the me too movement of a few years ago and just genuine sort of uh, consciousness seems to be changing you look back at some of these jokes that they pulled and you're thinking to yourself bloody hell we laughed at, at that at that no. sort of thing yeah i mean and we're thinking like oh my god why that that's not funny that that wouldn't translate Oh, no, no. Uh, and to his credit, I, I, I think, really, he's kind of acknowledged that, you know, yeah. um, as has, um, uh, or oh, is it Lee Francis, the guy that does um, um, Keith Lemon and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think um, yeah, Lee Francis, yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, they, they've stepped up and gone, you, you know what, wasn't right. And, and the majority have gone, Probably wasn't, well, it definitely wasn't. Um, probably wasn't right then, definitely isn't right now. But actually, when you look back at it, definitely wasn't right then and definitely still definitely isn't right now. Yeah. Um, but trends in comedy, you know, it's 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 a crazy, crazy thing. Because if you watch something from the 1970s, oh, you know, um, is, yeah. Google, how on earth did this make it past? How was this acceptable, you know? And, and I'm talking about comedy heroes of mine as well, somebody like Spike Milligan. Mm. Who I absolutely love. Um, you know, he did a program called Curry and Chips, mm. and basically he played an Indian man in it. You know, uh, in the UK, um, totally bizarre. Just a, such a, you know, uh, you could have a massive conversation about why was it acceptable then and why it's not acceptable now. But you know, I think anyone with a conscious um, conscience, rather. Um, Looking back, would probably accept it wasn't right then either. Mm. Yeah, I remember my dad showing me a, a clip of um, a show from the seventies. I, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, they, they did this sort of sort of thing on stage where they, they had they had two, they had three entertainers. It was a couple, a, a white couple on stage and a black entertainer. And I, I hope this isn't going to offend anyone who watches or listens to this, but this was just what it was at the time in the seventies. Um, the the woman and the and the black entertainer sort of went off stage, and already the and she came back on stage. It was like there were some ruffles off stage, and she came back on it in a fright. It's like, oh, what's going on? It was like that typical sort of seventies gasp, you know. And she came back on stage, and there were two handprints uh, yeah. on her on her breast, and I just thought, and my jaw just hit the floor, and I'm thinking, what? Mm. Mm. And people that you could hear the, the studio audience at the time, they're absolutely roaring their, yeah. their, their asses off at this thing. And I'm thinking, this is awful. Yeah. 
yeah. awful. And that's just like the changing landscape of things at the moment is is well, incredible. God, you know, thank God for it, and thank God it's. Um, there's a lot of people that won't that won't agree with this, but I'm glad that it's retrospective as well. You know, yeah. and that we look back and we go, that that's not acceptable. Not good. Um, you know, not some good. people say, lots of people say, oh well, it was of its time, but you know, maybe it's time to acknowledge that there was no time for it, really. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was of the time, but not anything else. Um, so that, that brings one to a, a question really about your experience in, you know, working, was, I suppose, specifically on stage, really. Have you ever had, you know, in the credits that we, that I listed out just at the top of this um, episode, have you ever been on stage and and you've said a line or you've, or you've had a moment where somebody else has said a line and there's a genuine that that noise of like a genuine gasp of shock or I know, a moment that's really stuck with you yeah i have i played ian in blasted by sarah kane and i think she's yeah. a great great playwright and yeah. ian was i think every ism you can think of you could throw yeah. at ian and he is you know yeah um or ist as well you know and one of the things i think he, he well not i think he is he he very definitely is racist yeah. and he says um uh, a very one of the very first lines he says when he looks out the Leeds hotel window is a very very racist line but he I, Sarah Kane is not racist but yeah. she's written a racist character and yeah. you know it's it during that production um I I have to rape um a woman younger than myself yeah. eventually I got raped and uh, my eyeballs sucked out. I ate a dead baby and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's an extraordinary <laughs> piece of theatre. It's crazy, crazy, crazy to rehearse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a vile, vile individual. She's not glorifying him at all. She's holding him up for uh, to the audience to to show him. You know, show them that she's exposing yeah, him. Yeah. These people walk amongst us. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, very, very, very early on in the run. Um, there was it got a, a reaction most nights um but very early on in the run i remember coming on and saying this particular line and there'd be in this mass sort of like oh christ you know that was mm. that hit you know and it's a very throwaway comment which in a way i think it makes it worse um oh, yeah. it sounds acceptable you know um but yeah that that was um a real um eye-opener uh, but it's you know more to do with character than a playwright and in fact Stu McHugh, Stu, uh, uh, Stu McQuarrie who did um, uh, My Country Work in Progress with us, oh, yeah. um, worked with Sarah uh, Kane at the uh, Royal Court I think he was one of yes. the characters or something you know and um, she oh. was she apparently had an amazing sense of humour I would love to have met her and obviously yeah. she left us too soon that when that sounds extraordinary because I I've looked at Sarah Kane a few times and you know like 448 Psychosis and other plays like that and I couldn't I thought to myself I couldn't imagine what it must be like just to share a rehearsal room with 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 Sarah because you know because she's written dark very dark stuff and to to hear that here's Stuart who's just gone to her and just go oh she's got an amazing sense of humor apparently she liked silly jokes stupid yeah. jokes you know yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to think that because I love a silly joke, um, I I'd like to think that you know we we would have got on. I hope we would have anyway. Yeah. But, um, 
But the press were really, really unkind to her and didn't get her work at all, you know. Uh, they were, I called... Um, they were slate, slating her from start to finish, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a guy called... I can't actually... His, his name won't come to my mind now, but he was um, a reviewer at the time and he called it... Um, he called Blasted um, um, something like a disgusting piece of filth or something like that. But actually, when you break down the bones of what Blast is about, yeah. um, it's clinical. It, it's incredible. And the detail in it is is beautiful. And her dialogue uh, is probably the easiest dialogue I've ever spoken in my entire life. Really? It sounds like um, your everyday person, you know. Yeah, because at school we did a lot of um, in year twelve, like if your first year available at the end, of, we did drama, and uh, you know we all had to do it like a monologue that was part of one of our exams, and a lot of people did Sarah Kane specifically four forty eight psychosis, um, that speech where she just goes off on one saying like I can't go on, I can't fucking go on, I can't do this anymore, and all of us were just thinking, wow, I mean, I mean, think about her writing is extraordinary. There's no doubt about that at all, but. And I, I have yet to actually sit through. Oh no, have I sat through Sarah Kane? I think no, I think I have sat through Sarah Kane before actually, and I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed it in mm. a way because, you know, up to that point I thought, oh my god, like, what, what am I going to see today? Am I going to see some, you know, some really dark commentary on life, or someone she's going to paint a character who's so full of despair or something like that? But actually, I went along and I found myself like chuckling along to the whole thing and I'm thinking am I sitting in a Sarah Kane play here I mean I'll, I'll be honest I probably wrote it off before I even mm. um experienced it but I think now I've realized that you know you shouldn't judge too early and plus for someone so dark it's she had a, a fantastic sense of humor by the looks mm. of things. I think um psychosis um I've heard people say this and having read it I've not seen it um not been lucky enough to see it because I would love to see it I'd like to see all her work actually um, I'd like to be in all our work. Um, yeah. I think from what I hear, psychosis is quite close to um, almost being a suicide note in a way. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, when you read it, you kind of get the feeling that that play probably cost her more personally than any other play that she wrote, you know? Oh, without, without a doubt. Without but of doubt. course, I can't, I can't say that for a fact because... As I say, I didn't know her, but it, it's it's bleak, but it's also incredibly beautiful. Mm. Um, and yeah, she's gifted, really gifted. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, Sarah, is she? I don't think she's with us anymore. Is she? No, um, she um, took her own life. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. 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 I worked with the director that directed an awful lot of her work. He directed the show that I was in in the Dharma Warehouse. You talked about Way oh, the yeah. World, and um, yeah, it was and the same thing happened to us during that. One of the cast members took their lives during that, and it was a massive. Um, oh my god, I can't, I can't. God, even talking about it, it, it was, it was beyond horrendous, um, especially for his family, of course, but as 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 a cast and stuff and. Um, the night that we were supposed to perform when we found out what had happened, um, James, oh. the director, came in, James McDonald, the director, came in and said, this this thing has happened to me before, a very similar thing has happened to me before. And I realised, of course, that he was talking about um, Sarah Kane because yeah. they were great, great mates. <sighs> wow. I mean, did, did you have to uh, write the show off? Did, did you? Did no. You... 
Um, um, we were off for about um, about a week because the shock was so much to all the cast and um, and the creatives on it, and um, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. Oh. So, uh, and he was Welsh, so he came home here. I uh, sorry, I came home here to. Um, uh, I went up with his very best friend to see his parents and things because I felt it was what I wanted to do, and. Um, uh, yeah, it was horrendous. And then we we rehearsed another guy in, um, and who had played the part before, mm-hmm. and then we continued to play with him. And I have to say, to give his name is Alan, and to give Alan his dues, you know, wow, coming into a cast that has had that experience and has has fractured them a great deal, mm. uh, as well as pulling them together emotionally, um, he didn't he did an incredible job. He did an incredible job because that's not that's not going to be an easy thing for anyone to do. No, but we no. carried on, and I think the majority of us would say that we carried on um, in Alex's memory, really, and that's what made us able to do it night after night. You know, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a great shock. It was a great shock. Yeah, and, and of course, the 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 link with that is that the director that was directing that, James McDonald, was a great friend of um, Sarah Mc. Sarah Keynes and he had um, gone through that when mm. she took her life as well. Oh, mm. good to me. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, uh, funny enough, I was I was gonna ever uh, bring this up actually. Uh, in terms of, I don't obviously I don't mean to continue with the quite <laughs> the dark topics here or anything. But um, did did you did you ever look at um, uh, uh, Gary Owen at all? Did you ever you ever done any any of his work at all? Uh, no, I know Gary. Um, and he came to see the play that we're talking about, Blasted, and um, he had a play that the Royal Court were doing. Yeah. And he said, oh, I'd like you to um, to be seen for it. So he sorted me a, an audition for that play. Um, I have to say that um, it, I love Gary's work, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think he's a tremendous writer and stuff like that, and yeah. I'd love to do a piece of his work. But they, I, I did two meetings for that, and they are, without a shadow of a doubt, two of the weirdest meetings I've ever had in my entire life. What happened? Well, um, the first one the, that I went up to, it was a very early morning and the director forgot that I was coming. <laughs> um, and the second one, um, I was sat uh, in stage, uh, so I, I went on tape that time. And the second mm-hmm. time I was sat at stage door and I saw him pass me, it was lunch hour, I saw him pass me, and the casting director came out and said, did you just see, I won't say his name mostly, but did you just see, and I said, yeah, he's just passed me, and she had to go and find him. So, you know, doesn't really settle you as an actor, if I'm <laughs> being completely honest. It's hard enough to um, keep auditioning for things anyway, you know, because yeah. you do put yourself on the line a lot when you're an yeah. actor, and um, you even do. though rejection is virtually around every single corner, and we learn to take it, it's never great. So, you know, putting yourself in a position where you've traveled the first time at four o'clock in the morning to get there, to get the Royal Court at eight. And then the second time, you know, to get there for lunch hour. And I was rehearsing a play the first time and in a play the second time. So I was rushing back and you just think, give me a fair chance of this. Give me a stab at this, you know. Yeah. And weirdly, the actor that got the role, and I won't say his name, but he's a bloody brilliant actor. Um, he... Um, I did a workshop with him about three weeks ago, and I said to him, "You know, I uh, like I said they kept me, they kept me penciled for that part for a long, long time. You know, they were after, they were after, they were basically after him, 
but I think they needed someone just in case they didn't get him. Um, but he's a tremendous actor. I'm not saying his name, but I can't. Oh, you can say it. No, I can't. I can't. I, I couldn't possibly because the story will all link together and it won't be great. But no, he's, <laughs> great, he's, great. he's a great Welsh actor, that's all I'm saying. Okay. So Michael Sheen, is it? No, no, God, no. <laughs> um, he, Michael Sheen, apparently, um, well, I know he does, lives up the road from us now, um, here down oh, really? here. Yeah, and um, I said, I saw him in Tesco's one day, and um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, he heard this, because Michelle, my wife, and Michael were in um, youth theatre together. All right. Um, um, so I think they were in David, David Copperfield, mm -hmm. and... Um, uh russell oh god his name's davis right. yes russell t davis yeah. thank you yes. um um he um wrote the david copperfield that they were in and they played opposite each other and i was down wow. in you know what it's like with welsh people right we, we the volume is a problem for welsh people right oh I, it is <laughs> i genuinely think that i'm whispering sometimes and michelle will say to me you really really knocked but anyway i was down in tesco's and michael was there with his wife, girlfriend, I don't know if he's married, I don't know. And um, and the wife had obviously said in a in a mock sort of like almost Les Dawson style, who's been there, you know? And he turned and he went, ooh, like this. And she went, <laughs> she went, it's him, you know, it's him from um, um, the damn United. And she went, she went, what, the bloke who played Brian Clough like this. And, that, <laughs> and he turned like that and he turned back to his wife and he went, do we put on weight, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, I think he might have lost the weight for the role, actually. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's really method. He's really method. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, it was, you know, yeah. This conversation, her conversation, was very like, you know, all the mouth and stuff. His, well, it was you could bloody, you could have blown the froth off a bloody <laughs> yards of the way. <laughs> I think fantastic. I think he's a great actor, though. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, he, that, that must be um, where he filmed. Um, uh, did, have you have you watched Staged at all? The thing he did with David. Yeah, Tan I have. Yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. that was wonderful. Yeah, so he probably filmed that just just up the road from you, probably in his house. Yeah, he probably did actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Staged is like a love letter to our industry. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's really really good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first series and I thought, oh, I hope the second series doesn't sort of cock it up. But if anything, I think I enjoyed the second series more. It did, um, yeah. yeah. I was just, relaxing it. Yeah, I remember just thinking, because um, that was the first TV series I sort of watched when I came back from uh, from drama school, because I've, 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 you know, I've deferred my place, so I'll be going back in October. Mm. Um, and that was the first thing I've really watched, you know, after that. And I just thought this, for anyone who doesn't understand what sort of us actors, what, what, what we're going through at the moment, this is what it's all about. We're trying to rehearse a play or do a rehearsal or do a Lecoq session or a Larvin session or a Shakespeare session over the internet. This is what yeah. we are doing at the moment. And Absolutely. yeah, and it, it's, it had its struggles. I mean, um, there was one Larvin class I did at uh, GSA, it was it. I say at GSA in our, in my bedroom, and uh, and the the girl's Wi-Fi rose. God bless her. She uh, her Wi-Fi kept cutting out the whole time, and we were we were left with intervals during a, a lesson, which we're paying good money for. Just like oh, Rose, is she 
she, yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of this, you know, if I've been rehearsing something or done a reading online, there's been a lot of, and then it kicks in again and you go, <laughs> What just happened then? You know, that was very good. It's very good. Very good. I believed it for a second. I was like, "Oh no!" I'd no, there's been a lot of that, you know. But um, and this this room um, has been any number of things during lockdown. You know, I've done I don't know how many auditions and self tapes I've done in here oh. um, because obviously you know you can't get to London to to meet people. But uh, and for some people, you know, I'm rightly so. I think you know, as some people have said, it's. It's not a great way of doing it because you can't, once you're in the room, you can take directions so much better if they say, can you try it like this? But it's the way we have to do it. So we're all getting used to it now, I think, until, yeah. fingers crossed, this thing passes, which I hope it will. It will. It will pass. It'll take time, but it will go. It will go. I can just imagine uh, you going, <laughs> you sort of have a Zoom call for this, and you go, okay, Christian, can you, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to do, Do you get my point? And it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whoa, I'm really sorry. I didn't hear you for one second there. And they have to go all that all over again. It's just, oh, it's amazing. Well, there was, uh, it was a, a, an audition where I did the entire scene. Um, and they asked what I read with my wife, because my wife had done the reading um, off camera when I did the initial audition. Yeah. Uh, tape, And I sent it off and they went, um, uh, it's great. It would be great if your wife was there to read in. And I went, yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. Sure. Um, and she sat off camera and the, ca the computer was on the windowsill there, natural light and stuff. And I did the entire scene and then I stopped and looked and I realized that they'd frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what part they, they saw. They didn't see something. <laughs> Eventually um, I sort of logged back in and they went, and they went, um, we saw like four lines of it. Would it be possible to do it again? And I went, yeah, 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 no problem. But it doesn't half throw you off. You think, they didn't see that. It might, that might have been the greatest bit of acting I've ever done all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck's sake, that was the best acting I've done for ages. And it's lost. Yeah. <laughs> it's lost in no, but it was, it was gone. So, yeah, but there's been a lot like that. I mean, yeah. actually, to be honest with you, you take the rough with the smooth and um, that, that sort of stuff is... It's quite funny as well as being oh for sure for sure yeah because i think even in stage there's a lovely moment in the first episode where um yeah they do like, that exact thing happens where uh michael sort of leans in and goes well, simon why do you want to do this and he goes honestly honestly and he goes okay well I thought yeah, they, they had to put that in because that that has been the struggle. I think he's a great director, you know, Simon Evans, isn't it? Yeah, Simon Evans, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great director. He's a great director. I met him on the press night of Way of the World because I had done a play at the other room in Cardiff called Saint Nicholas, which is a one-man play by uh, oh, by the God, his name's gone out of my brain, Conor McPherson, hmm. who is like oh my God, but he's a uh, what a word amazing amazing and this amazing place is extraordinary and we had hoped to do uh we did a, a little bit of a, a tour with it not much and we had hoped that we would be able to take it to a smaller theater in london and it just so happens that another actor and director were hoping to do it and i think they did it at the Dom. they did do it at the oh. Dom. and simon was the director of it so mm. on that night we shared this story you know um 
and I think he was in pre-rehearsals for it then. And I said, I'll come and see it. But, but I never got a chance to see it, but I would, loved, would have loved to see it. But he's a really clever man, really clever man. I hope our paths cross um, one day because uh, I, I spent about half an hour with him in the after show party with my agent who knew him very well. And uh, yeah, he's clever. He's a clever man. Yeah, I mean, he, he plays a really good part as well in that. I have to say, you know, he, he plays the uh, director who can't really handle the uh, the production really well. I was really bought into that. Um, all right, so just just going back a couple of steps. I, I, I mentioned Gary Owen earlier about um, about you know. I know you said you hadn't worked with him much, but uh, funny enough, I have him to thank for because I did a speech from his play Love Steals Us from Loneliness to actually get into GSA, actually, which was which is an amazing... If you ever get the chance to do that play, I strongly recommend you do it. It's a lovely, lovely piece. I'd do uh, anything with Gary's name on it. Hmm? I, would do, I would do any play that had Gary's name Oh, yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to see... Um, in fact, I think you can still catch it on digital theatre now, the um, uh, Ijenaya and Splot. Uh, uh, well, my great friend Sophie Melville. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, you know it. <laughs> you know it. Sophie and myself, one of the other plays you mentioned is a two-hander, um, uh, Blackbird, and it was Sophie and myself who were in that cast, but we've known each other for about oh, about eight years now, and yeah. um, a little bit less than that, maybe, maybe seven years or so. Uh, uh, she's phenomenal. And oh, the combined yeah. efforts of her and Gary and Rachel, the director on that, I mean, wow, it was stunning, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I just, I just, I love to hear about like the stories of, because um, um, uh, Love Steals Us from Loneliness is all a bit based in uh, Bridgend, and of course, it's based around the time of the Bridgend suicides in 2008, I think it was. Was it 2008? It was a very peculiar time. Yeah, I think it's around then. I couldn't give it an exact date. Yeah. That was a very peculiar time. Yeah. Very strange. Is that your call? <laughs> no, that's not my, that's not my call, that one. That's one that I can. Uh, <laughs> put on silent. That is, yeah, that one's I can put on silent. So okay, that's fine. Um, should should explain actually because obviously that's going to be in your recording. So <laughs> yeah. I just I just come back from Bulgaria. Yeah, uh, I was uh, filming an advert, so now I've got to. Uh, I came back day before yesterday, um, and now I've got to um, quarantine for ten days. So. One of the call I'm waiting for is from NHS Wales to uh, to go through my quarantine details. So yeah. that wasn't them, though. Okay, that's all right. After the phone rang, not for me. That's the phone rang. So it's like you need to self isolate for ten days. Yes, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> no need to do that. Um, so yeah, but uh, I I've always curious about because I listened to. Um, did you ever listen to Play Crush? There's a great podcast series run by. Um, uh, the guy who owns the the, the Sherman Theatre in Cardiff at the moment. Uh, anyway, he released this, he had Michael Sheen on for talking about, you know, his, uh, sorry? Is it Jake? Yeah, no, it's not Jake. It's, um, oh no, I can't remember his name. Uh, he, yeah, he, he runs the Sherman Theatre now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look him up. So um, I'll, just give me one second, but I'll talk and search at the same time. So yeah, um, so, yeah he, he had Michael Sheen on, uh, talking about his his um sort of upbringing in Port Albert and just that kind of you know working class upbringing etc and stuff like that and of course looking at Bridge End and doing a bit of research into the into the town and looking at Gary's uh backstory etc uh you know for someone like yourself who grew up in similar you know you know who grew up in in similar circumstances in Wales you know do correct me if I'm wrong 
But uh, it, it seemed to me that for them, for Michael Sheen and for these guys to say, I want to be an actor, it was it felt like an extraordinary kind of leap of faith in, in a way that, you know, this is what I'm going to be going to be doing. Was it, is it, was it something that uh, was yeah. similar to you or was it something that kind of happened naturally? Uh, no, I think it's, uh, well, for example, I only found out this recently, but I think, um, I think Michael was born in Newport, actually, but I think he was, I, I know he was brought up in Patalba. Probably um, the valley that he is from in Patalba, you know, within a stone's throw, you could hit Anthony Hopkins's house where he was born and raised. Yep. Um, you could hit uh, Richard Burton's house where he was uh, born and raised. And people like singers like Ivor Emanuel and all those sorts of things, you know, very, very rich area of, um, of great, great performers, mm. uh, that sort of Patalbert area. And um, I think, you know, it wouldn't have been easy for him to say he wanted to be an actor, but I guess people would have said to him more uh, than they would to me naturally, or, you know, or what, like Anthony Hopkins or Richard Burton, you know, or you're going to follow in Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I guess that, that he would have had that more, maybe, that's a total guess, than yeah. me. I come from... Um, the Swansea Valley, um, now uh, in the Neath Batalbert Valley. Um, well, I am in Neath Batalbert, but I'm closer to Neath. Um, that, for me to say I wanted to be an actor, um, it, I think there was a lot of, oh, there we are then, that's nice, you know, oh, good, good for you type thing. Well, there you are, there you are. Yeah, but um, I was fortunate in as much as I had a careers officer called Keith Millward at the school, and, you know, we had to write down um three things that we wanted to be um or wanted to um to try and further our career uh, education in and stuff like this mm -hmm. and he did an awful lot of andram mm -hmm. so when i went to see him i was expecting the sort of same similar uh reaction as everyone else give you know oh you want to be an actor oh there we are then great you know it's the equivalent now of people saying you know, I want to be an actor. Oh, great. Which McDonald's do you work at? That type of thing. You know, oh. you want fries with that or blah, blah, blah. Um, I think <laughs> it's completely something that's completely unobtainable. But Keith, of course, having done a lot of amateur dramatics and stuff like that, you know, I went into his office and thought, right, I've got a list of three things. And at the top is that I want to be an actor, you know. And I said, I wanted to be an actor. And we didn't talk about anything else. He just went, fantastic, brilliant, fantastic. Right. So, um, I would suggest now, uh, you know, go to Neath or Swansea or go sign in college and then go from there to, you know, um, Royal Welsh College, uh, well, it was Welsh College then, Welsh College Music and Drama or RADA or uh, Lambda or, you know, uh, and I just thought, oh my God, this man believes that it's possible, you know. Um, and yeah, uh, combine that with the first four years of being in comp. The drama was taught mainly by a maths teacher or mm. whoever was available, a games teacher, and it was yeah. poor, really poor. So I didn't even take it as a subject. Um, and then up turns this woman called Denise Cavalli, and she joined and was a drama teacher, and she was utterly brilliant. Mm. I mean, incredible. Um, and I did my GCSE drama with her within three months. Um, and, you know, she... My prac, for example, I mean, obviously 16 years of age, but um, my drama prac was a piece from um, John Osborne's Look Back in Anger with Jimmy Porter. Mm. Um, and, 
you know, she, uh, yeah, she just, it blew my mind in a way because Denise had been an actress as well. And I thought, well, hold on a minute, this is, this is possible. Oh. It's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy profession. It, you know, this, I love it, but there are some things about it that will drive you mad. And there are some, if you're an actor with your salt and you haven't um, thought, Christ, why did I choose to do this? Then you're, you're a far better person than I am. You know, because um, that that thought must pop into my mind 10, 20 times a year. Oh. But I'm fortunate enough to really love and respond to what I do. Um, and I love working with people. And I love meeting people. And I love being in different headspaces and all these sorts of things. So... And I'm fortunate, and and that's what it is as well, Oliver. You know that you know a lot of people will talk about talent and stuff like that. Of course, talent is what um, hmm. gets you the job, but luck, I think, gets you in the room. Um, you know, I, my agent um, will put me up for any number of things, and it's whether or not that CV lands at the right time for that person to go. Yeah, let's see him. You know, but hmm. it's a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. Yes. It's great. It is, yeah. And, you know, just building on that, um, I was very lucky in that, um, you know, I went to university, I went to Sussex, and then the first two years were, were tough, you know, living away from home, etc. And, you know, getting through this, through doing really heavy academia about drama, and there are many, many times where I thought, I'm going to drop out. I don't like this. This is this is not good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to study drama. I'm actually here to be on stage, you know, that's not what they did. But long story short, I persevered with it. And uh, it was the luck that uh, Rufus's mate, um, who's a tutor on our course called Sarah Jane Bales, uh, was uh, lucky enough in talks with Rufus to actually have a placement at the National that year. And uh, so I just, I remember that they called all our placement, people who wanted to do a placement in the room. And <laughs> I think I must have gone, okay, so what does everyone want to do? And everyone around the room saying, oh, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I, I could see myself maybe doing this or potentially this or potentially that. Uh, just like, but it came to me and I said, well, I would really like to go to the National Theatre because I think the National Theatre is a lovely thing because it's a national monument. <laughs> so I think I said the word National Theatre about 20 times in the space of three minutes or something like that. But I really wanted to get that point across. But uh, but and I ended up uh, getting the placement, and of course meeting yourself and working on uh, a great great show and a great show for the, yeah. for the times as well. So the luck was there, I think, and also it's it was it was a case of you know proving that you know obviously as you say talent that you can go there, you can do a good job, etc. But the luck that was there, and, and of course I also had the luck of hearing about the filming project as well which we went on to film um uh sort of later that year before i think you, you guys finished your no no this was during the tour yeah yeah it was when we were in birmingham it was I've, yes i've never been so birmingham and, and it might have been warwick as well i've never been so tired in my entire life yeah yeah <laughs> but I we remember. all were you know i walked yeah. up to warm up once and um penny cavern and laura yeah um, we're all huddled together on the floor, fast asleep. <laughs> I was like, I, I put a blow up bed when we were in Birmingham. I put a blow up bed in the dressing room. Yeah, you just there in the corner. You just see the three of them. Just like... 
I've never been to Thai, but it was a great, it was a great experience. Yeah, I remember, I remember chatting to you with um, a few other people who was there. A few, a few of us other, well, they called us silenced, didn't they? And uh, I think you, you were just, you know, I think where someone said to you like, so, so you guys are filming during the day and performing the show at the Birmingham Rep at night and he said how are you surviving at the moment and I think you said to him well I think I worked out the other day that I did I worked for 15 hours straight the other day of all day filming and then going to do a show at night having a few hours sleep and then up at the crack of dawn I went oh I was up at five o'clock every morning to go and get to set for seven and I did the I can't imagine how you guys just kept going I mean was it just a matter of like sheer willpower towards towards the end. Yeah, I think it was really, to be honest with you. And and also, um, you see, Rufus is one of these people that um not only is he incredibly talented, oh yeah, but he's bloody lovely. So you just wanna <laughs> you just wanna rip your heart out and go, is this a, is this all right? Is this a <laughs> um uh and yeah. you know it was he's just so lovely to be around. I did that workshop with him uh, um, three or four weeks ago, you know, and you, you do anything for him, you know, because yeah, yeah. um, he's just so brilliant. And he's, but aside from being brilliant, which he is, as I say, the one thing that you, that he very, very is, he's, he's warm, he's lovely, you know, think of those times, for example, when um, it got cut from the show in the end, but when we had the dart section, that was going to be in my country work in progress. And we had the oh, dart in there. Yes. You know? And then yeah. we, We'd break for a cup of tea, you know, and then uh, Rufus would say, uh, anyone fancy a game of darts? And you'd think, I've got a quarter of an hour break and I'm playing darts with the poet laureate, <laughs> Carl Ann Duffy, and the artistic director of the National Theatre. You know, this if it gets better than this, then uh, yeah, let let me know because I don't know. Yeah, why. of course. Yeah, and I was yeah, I was lucky. Of course, I forgot to mention Carolyn Duffy as well, who was part of that production. Who I studied at GCSE. We looked at um, some of her poems. One was called Quick Draw, and it was yeah, about yeah. about cowboys in the desert or something like that, like a like a drawing jewel, whatever it is called. Um, but I remember there was one line that. The English teacher was just slaving over for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. We're trying to find the symbolism of this one little line. I think it's like silver bullets of your kiss or something like that. And all of us were getting so frustrated with this. And I was thinking, look, it's just describing bullets, okay? That's all there is to it. But then I remember walking back to the rehearsal room and there's Caroline Duffy just in the, just walking with me in the corridor. And she goes, she goes hey, Ollie, how you doing? And I just, and then immediately a school partner went, the poet laureate knows my name. She knows my name, she knows my name. And, and, uh, and I remember just thinking to myself, oh my God, I can ask that question now. And I went up to her and said, oh yeah, really good. Um, I just wanted to say that um, we studied uh, Quick Draw, your poem for, for GCSE. And she went, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and I said to her, look, this, this line, you know, silver bullets of your kiss, what does that? mean exactly because we were struggling to find symbolism for that for weeks and she looked at me and just went i'm just ollie i'm, I'm just describing bullets mm. <laughs> and i just, and i thought oh cry out loud yeah, yeah. yeah. Was. and so the english teacher was just like it's like where where does this come from where where do we find all this and, it's, and she just goes i'm just describing bullets and it's like oh, mm. crying out loud but I, um, I, it's funny actually because 
a lot of people, that oh. is them. Oh, that is them. Okay, so we'll pause here and Good then pause. we'll reconvene in a few moments. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, Christian's just had his call. It's uh, pretty much you're, you're in for the next few days, huh? I mean, until the 22nd, yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I thought, because the company had booked, um, um, the, you have to book two um, tests to show that you're COVID free. And the first one went off this morning and then there's one on day eight, but they were sending somebody on day five to do a test to release, uh, which means that if that one comes back negative, you can go out after day seven. Mm. But I've just been told that's not available in Wales. So I'll be here until midnight on the 22nd of May. <laughs> Oh, I've never watched so many box sets in my life. Oh, you're gonna have to find some more. <laughs> I know, I know. There um, we are. That's fine. You could rewatch uh, Game of Thrones or something, or they just leave out the last series. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But hey, you know it's got to be done. Uh, better yeah, safe than sorry, isn't it? Exactly. Um, where were we before? Um, we. Well, I was playing darts with uh, Caroline. Oh Duffy, yes. The, but I think yeah. we were just coming to an end of that. So. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we were just talking about Rufus. Uh, I remember a story of um, Rufus in the rehearsal room, and he was just so, you know, such a down to earth guy, you know, just someone who wasn't intimidated by anyone or anything. You know, I remember on the first day when we we're all, yeah, you know, the first day of rehearsals when you're all in that big circle in the, and then you're just simply going, Hello, my name's Ollie. I'm here on a work placement. Hello, my name's Christian. I'm actually in it. Stuff like that. He kicked it off by just going, all right, guys, thank you all for coming. So um, first of all, I'm a bit nervous because I absolutely know I no fucking idea what we're going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, to be honest with you, talk about taking a job on trust. Um, mm. You know, uh, you knew you were going to be all right because of the people who were at the helm of it, really. But um, yeah, I had no idea. I went down to do the audition um in the middle of december and it just yeah. happened a day off from doing panto so i went down to see rufus and and he said have a listen to this have a listen to this you know um right okay now put it in your ear you know and and try and speak as they they're speaking and it was um uh the the young lad um oh what's his name curtis allen pop curtis yeah. thomas pop yeah um, yeah good bus service don't have any argues. Um, so uh, it was him, uh, and I think the other one was Angela that I did, um, yeah. and um, she was the one that was talking about, you know, ex police force and all sort of stuff, you know. And um, and he went, yeah, yeah, great, yeah, great, fantastic. And I thought, oh, okay. And as I left, I, I was saying to the casting director, um, so who else is coming in? And he went, no, he's seen loads of people. He just wants to see you before making a decision on who he's going to cast, you know. Oh, and I said, oh, right, okay. I said, but you start, like, on the 7th of Jan or something. And she went, yeah, yeah. She said, um, we've got to get a cast. Something like, this was something like the 21st of December. She said, we've got to get a cast soon. She said, but a couple of offers have gone out. And she said, um, and we're just um, putting things together now. Well, the next day I got a call off my agent to say um, he wants you to play the part of Wales, Cymru. Um, and I was, and I, you know, she said, so do you need to see a script? And I said, well, there's not going to be one for <laughs> for a very long time, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing with him and saying he came up to me on the opening night of um uh not the preview, the opening night of my country and oh. said to me, um we're missing a Welsh voice in that last part where you all walk off, you know. I oh. said, right, okay. 
he said, we think it should be um, uh, Mrs. Morgan. Um, uh, and, you know, it should be the bit about um, her getting her um, CBOB, I think she got actually. Oh. I said, yeah, okay. I said, to, um, he said, can you learn a bit for this evening? And and we'll just put in a bit and trail out at the end. And I went, yeah, 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 fine. I said, uh, how much do you want me to learn? And he went, uh, <laughs> about that much. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what's that? Is that is that eight, ten lines? He went, yeah, do ten lines, two lines, ten lines, you know. Yeah, and they're like, Rufus, I love you, man, but that's just not possible. <laughs> so I sat in the dressing room and learnt these ten lines, uh, there or thereabouts anyway, and um, and did them that night. And then the next day we rehearsed and he put an in and an out. So, so it was um, me starting, then her voice came in and I trailed out, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. But it's great. I'll never forget it. How much do you want me to learn? Uh, <laughs> Ten lines. <laughs> yeah, can I learn by tomorrow? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I learned them that night. Oh, that night. If you haven't learned for tonight, that'd be great. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, Rufus. <laughs> as I say, you know, you do anything for him. Oh, you know? absolutely. Um, I suppose one of the big questions for today was um, about that process. How did you create? Because I, I was in the rehearsal room for quite a lot of that process and I saw how you guys. Um, put things together in a way and of course having devised a, a few shows myself etc or having been in a company of devices what, what was it like through uh create that particular experience with Rufus and the guys and everything else creating a show from essentially nothing at all what was what was that what was that rehearsal process like well I think if I, I suppose the only way I could describe it is if you had a set text yeah um you might have some idea how how you think it should be uh, I never go in with too many set ideas anyway, but you may have an idea of what the piece is going to look like or be at the end of it, and maybe a slight inkling of what you'll do with the character and stuff like that. Obviously, it was multi-characters, uh, and we didn't have um, a script until... Um, I don't think we had... A, I don't really think we had a script until about, God, about a, couple of nights, a couple of nights after we'd opened. I think yeah, it was, you know, it was really like last minute, wasn't it? Yeah, because, you know, think because he was watching it with an audience and going, take that bit out, put that in, take that in. He was so clinical, as was um, Carol Ann, you know, mm. um, that, you know, things were chopping and changing all the time. But whereas uh, with most plays, maybe you have an idea where it goes and it gets clearer as you sort of rehearse. I think the thing that the overarching thing for me was, one, the fun in the room. There was a lot of fun in the room, a lot mm. of creativity in the room, and you could throw anything in and do anything. But... It was kind of as chaotic at the end of the bubble as it was at the beginning of the bubble. Um, so I remember on the first night thinking, "I think I know what I'm doing." Yeah, and saying, and, "And you know, because uh, the lad shed a dressing room and saying to Adam and um, Stu and uh, Cavan, you know, mm. do, do you all feel like you've got a real grip on what you're doing?" They were, you know, <laughs> no, absolutely, you know, but but it it kind of really came together in i can't remember how many preview performances we had but it came together in those previews really oh. because of the brilliance of um the outside eyes which were you know mainly caroline and um really and, uh, and it shaped so beautifully i remember caroline saying the script that's in the shop is going to be withdrawn um because the it's changed so much 
now, even from when that, that was sent. Mm. You know, it was it was withdrawn and a new version was put out. Mm. Um, and then we toured it around the UK uh, and it was incredible because I think the reaction that it got, people either loved it or hated it. They didn't go, it was all right, it was all right. And I, I think it's, it, I like being in a polarizing play. I mm. like being in something when, when people don't go, I give it a three out of five. I'd rather somebody go one out of five or five out of five, you know, uh, and it certainly did that. But also what was really weird about it was that they had been very, very particular to make sure that, you know, the argument for leaving and staying was literally 50, 50. Um, and the amount of people that, you know, that would say, ah, oh, well, of course it's very influenced, um, in remain, isn't it? You know? Um, and I'd say, no, no, no. Oh, well, it's very influenced to, um, to leave. Mm. And you'd think it's not, it's just your perception of it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, yeah. I remember Rufus sent uh, me a task to do while we were there. And, uh, he, he said to me, right. I remember he, said, he sat us down in the office the first on the first day and I was already really kind of pretending to look <laughs> quite serious. And I'm thinking I've got the you know artistic director. But I thought okay, no, just park all that. He gets to do a job, okay? He's, he's put his trust in you, so just get on with it. Uh, and he asked me to look for he sift through the stuff. But hey, well, one thing he asked me to look for was news clips. Um, and I remember we showed um, you guys in the what? Um, well, they were correct. In, in, one, in one rehearsal, yeah. And uh, he sat me by the computer, and he had a big screen. And he said, "Just play me what you've um, what you found, basically." And when I was researching that, I went through quite a lot of stuff. Um, and it was just extraordinary to see the divide between, because my first thought building up to the vote was that oh, it's going to be Remain. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Remainer myself. You know, I just thought, you know, there's no possible way that leave is, is, is going to happen. It's just not, it's just not, it's not going to happen. So, um, but then I remember the morning of the vote, we, uh, my family and I, we, we, we woke up and we were about to head to Cornwall actually on that morning and we were back the bags were packed and everything was ready to go and we just we were just about to leave and I said oh shit we haven't checked the the, the result so we switched on the news and I, I was reading it I went UK votes to UK votes to leave and I just went I turned around and said guys we've we, we voted to leave and they went oh don't be silly let's have a look and they came in and it was Everyone was just like, what? And your drop, your drop. But for, weirdly for me, I hadn't swung. I'd never said that, you know, I was um, looking to leave or something like that. As an actor and as a person and as a human being, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. But mm. I remember saying in rehearsals, when I saw the bus, the big red bus with yeah, 350 you know, bus, yeah. 350 million to the NHS and stuff, I'm being a very proud Welshman and obviously an Iron Bevan. Um, I founded the NHS and stuff like that, and I think it's in. I think it's the the best thing we have in the UK. The the thing that we should be the most proud of the NHS. Yeah. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, wait a minute. You know, the one thing that the NHS needs is funding, better funding. It all it's going to whatever it's given, it's always going to need more. And my opinion, it will always deserve it. Yeah, um, I agree. But um, it, you know, my wife said to me, "You just <coughs> to look." who's on that bus, who's put that promise on the bus, you know, and you go, mm. well, it's Boris and Michael Gove. And, mm. and she went, there you go. And I thought, oh, Christ, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? You yeah. know, 
And so I went down and I voted to remain. Yeah. But it did, it did shake me a bit, that bus. Um, and I'm kind of ashamed to say that now, really, because of course they weren't going to do that. You know, yeah, it's all lies. You know, the day after when, um, when Farage was on um, GMTV or whatever he was on, um, and they said, you know, because um, it was nothing to do with him, that bus. But, you know, they said that 350 million. And he said, yeah, that was a mistake. They should never have said that. And you think that's the day after the vote. Yeah. <laughs> and also, don't forget the day, the early morning of the vote, he had said, it looks like Remain have won. Uh, it's going to be close. We'll have to have another vote. Mm. But Leave won. Mm. It was very, very close. But there was no talk of having another vote then. Nope. Uh, you know, uh, it was so self-serving. Yeah, I remember just, I couldn't help but notice um, the day of the vote when we announced to leave that there was a look on the face of the politicians like the Boris and the Michael Gove and um, uh, whoever else was part of the Leave campaign, etc. Um, Farage and people like that. I, I generally got the impression that when the result came through, I didn't think they were expecting that. Well, they were shocked. They were um, absolutely shocked. Yeah. And suddenly they're thinking, oh, shit, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what, what Boris, you know, the thing is, now? I don't know if you remember the, the literally the day after he was holed up in his house and he came out was and huge, wasn't he? Yeah. People all around him, you know, um, yeah. news people uh, and, and, you know, your everyday people, people like us, you know, and yeah. they were really having a go at him and stuff like that, you know. Mm. And then he was in the wilderness for a little while and then Theresa May put him in the cabinet and then he ends up as prime minister. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's absolutely, there'll never be, uh, nothing will ever surprise me ever again. Thanks to Brexit and Trump and Boris, yeah, nothing will ever surprise me ever again. Yeah. You can't, you can't do anything politically that will shock me ever again. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like we could um, be talking of like the next recession or the next big vote. That's like, um, like Boris would like hypothetically say Boris encourages uh, Northern Irish independence or Welsh independence or Scottish independence, you know, and if we sit there going, yeah, yeah, all right, okay, well, let's see if that happens. Mm. Um, you know, and particularly like this past 14 months as well of, of just everything that's gone on. And uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, I thought it was criminal how, you know, we, we've touched on my experience at GSA. I remember this, the third night we were there, that was when he announced lockdown three, and we're getting there and we're full of anticipation of like we're at GSA we're at drama school we're like yeah it's gonna be a bit interesting at first we might have to be on zoom for a bit but it's looking positive we're gonna get back in the studio it's gonna be fine but then third night there Boris goes plunges us all into lockdown three and immediately they're saying all right studio's off limits no online only no exceptions whatsoever and mm. Whilst that was awful news, it, it didn't surprise me at all. I just thought, here, I thought, here we go again, just the same old stuff. It doesn't surprise me either. But you know, this thing with um, uh, he's obviously done a slower release this time, and uh, in Wales we've gone at a different rate anyway. We've always gone at a different rate, yeah. um, and you know, we've we've had our we've had a lot of cases, and at one point, um, living in Neath Talbot was almost like being in 
um, an, an enforced lockdown, really, because every yeah. area around us were um, the figures were massive. So they had like local lockdowns. Mm. So we were surrounded. Yeah. And then suddenly they all died down um, in terms of their, you know, their numbers being, uh, you know, that our number being up and ours went huge, you yeah. know. Um, but this thing, you know, that he says about um, everything will stop on June the 21st. Um, yeah. you know, I'll be the first one to say, wouldn't that be marvelous? But, you know, just remember the lessons from each other health folks it was out to spread do you know what i mean that that was and <laughs> you said before for this as well you know yeah. he, he was blaming the young people so he blamed everyone he blamed yeah. everyone he, he would not hold his hands up and so and go maybe that wasn't a great idea you know yeah. um and they they're gonna have to do something i know that's why we're here and that's why we're talking today but they're gonna have to do something for theater they're gonna have to help out yeah well thankfully um you know he's not the most credible person to be quoting but oliver snowden who is the culture secretary actually has plunged i think billions into the arts projects but oliver Dowden. Oh, Dowden, uh, Dowden, sorry yeah he's, he's got your he, brain on then yeah <laughs> he's uh yeah well then there's controversy of that because so that money is for the mainstream theaters like the ones in town or the ones uh, in cardiff or the ones or the significant regional theatres like the Birmingham Rep and um, the Manchester uh, Crucible and every and probably any others, but and it's all the but it's all the little regions, little regional theatres who hold maybe fifteen hundred seats or eight hundred seats or five hundred seats who didn't get a who didn't get a share and mm-hmm. you know and that that's just you know you say it's for to save theatre but it's not actually saving. All the theatres, is it? It's only saving you the ones that make you the most money. And um, yeah, and that's um, a worry. That's a worry. Because no, you no. know there is a theatre down in that I performed at uh, that I did um, uh, one man two governors at down in West Wales. Oh. And it's a beautiful theatre. It's called the Torch Theatre. It's in Milford Haven. Oh. And you know the next big theatre to that really, uh, or the next theatre that does um, produce home produced stuff. I mean, the, the theatre down the road from us used to, um, but the, the lady that was pushing that is leaving now. Oh. Um, so the next place is Cardiff. Well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's two hours away. Yeah. Um, and the talk put on quality production, so, you know, they should definitely get a, a share of any money that's going. Oh. Yes. Think things will get better. Things will get better. But uh, it's going to, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it goes from here. But, mm-hmm. uh, but let's just let's just be thankful that we're all safe, and uh, you know, you and I have been in a very fortunate position to not have actually had COVID this past this past year, and uh, and um, just yeah, I know a few people who've who've come down with it, who have had who've luckily survived, and um, people who have had you know a week of feeling like absolute crap and. And, uh, you know, th- this is a serious thing, you know, we are, but we will fight it together and we will get through it. And yeah. by ne- this time next year, one does hope that, you know, you said earlier, so the new normal, whatever that might, whatever that might be, but we will have our lives back in some form. And I think that'd be good. So we're starting to see the resurgence of theatre now, you know, theatres are booking things again. Mm. Um, the National's doing... Uh, under- yeah, the National, yeah. Um, the theatres are announcing 
new plays coming into the West End, new musicals coming into the West End, and tickets are beginning to book and, and shift again. Um, so let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that that continues to go that way. And hopefully, you know, everyone will return to whatever the new normal is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So, that, yeah, that, that's, uh, let's keep our hopes and prayers in that direction. Um, so that, that, while we're on the sort of the home stretch today, um, just um, for this recording, uh, I just want to sort of in closing, just ask about um, if there was what, you know, obviously you've, you've had this extraordinary career up to this point. I'm sure you're going to continue doing extraordinary things because you are an incredible actor. You. <laughs> you don't need to touch wood. It will happen for you, man. It will happen for you. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with you at the National. I've had the pleasure of, you know, speaking to you today and, and stuff like that. And it's been a genuine pleasure to have seen you again today and just to talk about theatre and just talk about the world and everything else has been great. Um, so as we're in closing, I mean, if there's one thing so far, and of course, and in future experiences might trump this, mm. but if there's, if there's one thing that you have experienced in your career so far that you will remember for the rest of your life, what what would that be exactly? Was it working with a particular person, working on a particular play, or just anything, an, an experience that will, or experience says that will stay with you for forever, basically from being in, working as an actor? I mean, in terms of, it's hmm, a tricky one, but in terms of theatres, probably the most important theatre um, to me uh, is Theatre Cloyd. Yeah, I am uh, an associate actor there and working in me. Do you know what? I, I know what it is. Because the other theatre is very, very important to me is um, the Regent Theatre in Stokeswell, but I know what it is. It's it's because that cause this moment led to so many things for me mm. and because he was such an extraordinary person. It would have to be meeting Terry Hands in 1997. Wow. And I worked with Terry um uh, right up until his death, I spoke at his funeral. Um, I think Terry is, um, oh, you could use the word was, but was, yeah, physically he's passed on, but his legacy is huge. Mm. So he can't, he can't really disappear. He can never disappear. But yeah, yeah it would be meeting and working with Terry Hands. And that, that led on to going to the RSC, to working with Kate Wasserberg, who was a director that I love. She's the director now of um, uh, Out of Joint. I think they've just had a name change, actually, but she's the director there now. She's the artist director there. Oh. Um, she took me down to Cardiff to do um, uh, Blasted, uh, The Dying of Today, um, and then back to Cloy to do uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, or rather that was the other way around, and then uh, Little Voice. So Terry, as a nucleus, uh, exploded a lot for me. And I think I trained as an actor at Welsh Cross Music and Drama, um, spent three years there, some incredible teaching staff like Peter Doran, Marin LeConte, Andrew Neal, these amazing, amazing people mm. who I worked with and I was there. Um, but meeting Terry in 97 and spending a year working on proper, proper rep with him at Theatre Cloyd, I think started me onto the track to becoming the actor that, that that I am today. So yeah, I would say I would credit Terry Hans. Yeah. I don't what what sort of techniques would he what sort of things would he encourage? Just general things he was, like uh, he would always encourage you to know the play before you went into rehearsals. Yeah. He always thought that the script was a massive hindrance 
to act as so to not have it was was for him really really important he cast me in a virtually i, I it was impossible really uh, but but i did it i managed to do it and it was it was more to do with him than to do with me really uh, but he cast me i was 27 years of age and he cast me as malvolio with 12th night which yeah. was his first shakespeare because he'd been at the rc for 25 years mm. and it was his first shakespeare that he did at um theatre cloyd and he cast me as malvolio now admittedly he had lost his malvolio um he he had i know he had after it was a big, very big shakespearean actor um and he'd lost his malvolio and he rang me the weekend before and he said because i was going to be in it anyway um, I was going to be assistant director and I was going to play one of the parts at the beginning, Valentine, I think. And um, he rang me on the Friday and said, look, I've lost my Malvolio, right? Would you um, would you like to have a go at the role? Um, and, you know, yeah, you're going to say yes. An you offer you can't refuse. Stupid, stupid, yeah. stupid at that age, but you're going to say yes, of course you are. Yeah. Um, and... He said, great, okay, see you on Monday. And then he put the phone down and he ran back and he went, um, you will be off book by Monday, won't you? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, of course I will be, because you're, you know, you're, he, he was, there was points during that job where he, he was bordering on scary, but he would push you to, to, the, to the absolute limit to get what he knew was at the bottom of your bucket. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want all the stuff at the top. I want you to dig, dig deeper, 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 deeper. Now show me the real, you know, the inners of it, you know. Um, and he was extraordinary. Um, and it is because of him that, you know, uh, nine times out of ten couldn't, of course, in, in my country, work, pro uh, work in progress. But uh, I do know the script before I go into rehearsals for nine out of ten jobs, you know. Wow. That's, that's a good one to... Um... Gary Glenn Ross was a difficult one to learn. I did that with Kate Wasserberg at um, Theatre Cloyd and I played Richard Romer in it. Mm. That was a difficult one to learn before going into rehearsals because it's like a piece of jazz. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, yeah. So, you know, the punctuation that Mamet writes in that is really, really important. You know, all train compartments smell vaguely of shit, full stop. It gets you don't mind it, full stop. That's the worst thing that I can confess, full stop. You know how long it took me to get there? Question mark. A long time, full stop. So learning his, you know, Mamet, if you read a book, have you read a book called True and False by David Mamet? I, I, I haven't, I haven't. Extraordinary no. book, it's brilliant. I mean, he would say this, but I agree with it, because he's a playwright. He would say that the job of the actor is to serve the playwright. Of course he would. But I agree. I think the job of the actor is to serve the play and the playwright. Um, and one of his things says uh, he's a big bet, big gambler, a uh, big poker man. And he, one of his uh, things he says is um, always look for the sucker in the room. And if you can't find him, then it's you. <laughs> uh, and that's a great note for playing any script, but in particular for playing anything by David Mamet. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um... Yeah, that's, the, that's so interesting to hear because I think, you know, if you're going to a rehearsal room and you've got, I think Anthony Hopkins does that as well, where he, well, what stories I've heard that he was off, he was doing Richard II and he was off book by the first rehearsal. And, uh, and uh, so you get yourself prepared for that as soon as possible, really. And um, when, it, when, it, when it comes to learning lines and stuff, what, what's your, Prices because for me it's I just read them over and over and over again and just that's what I do. It's it's only repetition that can do it. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it, and I'm sure it's true, 
But you've mentioned Anthony Hopkins. Apparently, he reads his scripts two hundred times, um, uh-huh. and and I'm sure it's absolutely true, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, um, for me, same thing as you. It's just repetition. Yeah. But I do try to learn. That's one of the things that Terry said. Um, <coughs> I can learn things at speed. Don't learn how to say them, you know. So uh, one of the things I worked on with him was um, a uh, Tom Stopper play called Rosecrans Gillis and the Dead. Oh, cool. Um, and I played Gildenstern in that. And wow. so I learned one of the speeches that he has in that, for example, and I still remember it now. When did I do it? Oh, God, 2002, I think. Um, a scientific approach to the examination of phenomena is defense against the pure emotion of fear. Keep tight holding, continue while there's time. Now, tricky one. Uh, um, now, tricky one. Follow me carefully. It may prove a comfort. If we postulate and we just have that within and sub and supernatural forces, the law of science will not act as a, you know, so knowing that the scientific approach to the examination of phenomena is defense against pure motion of fear, keep tight to hold and continue while this time, going at that speed as so that you can come back and make sense of it. Yeah. Knowing it at that speed means that you can color it any way you want. Hmm. Also, um, be careful about setting down and learning lines because you know that, that thing you have where you knew them this morning when you were sat down learning them. I knew them this morning. I knew them this morning. Yeah. And then you yeah. stand up to do the scene. Well, it's because your brain, your brain yeah. goes, oh, what? Walk and talk. <laughs> oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> and that's, you know, that that's a, a real hindrance. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd be surprised, you know, walk around, learn the lines. They sink in quicker and um, they stay. They stay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I wish I knew that. Uh, but I'm, well, I'm very lucky so far. I haven't right on stage to touch wood as of yet well maybe once i had a, a brief moment where my brain went uh, oh god and it went oh there it is oh thank god for that that's terrible i had a moment in i did a play again with kate and her husband uh, leander dini was um um the other character in it, it was called um dying of the day and i had a moment i was a barber mm. uh, i was sat in my own chair and i was in the middle of this monologue and I just thought, I've got no idea what comes next. <laughs> no idea. And I sort of looked up. No. No. And then Kate, who was in that night, said she just saw me go and carry on. And she said, in that, I knew in that moment, of, oh, she said it was you going, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's going to happen to us all. Yeah, it's going live theatre. Oh, it's live. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, and just one last thing I'll say is that I love one memory I have of filming in, in Birmingham of my country was uh, you're playing Curtis Thomas Pop, and for if anyone who hasn't seen it, basically we're all light in a line, all us extras, and then Christian or Cavern or Laura, any member of the cast would stand behind them and would speak for them. So the body was kind of a symbol of the normal everyday person and the voice would be from the back and there was one outtake which i have to say still makes me laugh to this day you're playing curtis thomas pop and you got this young lad there probably his first gig i'm not sure what it was but it was uh, like, yeah yeah and uh i think he dried at one at one point we hearing this lovely childish voice and he went he go good bus service <laughs> you go bus service you get shit oh no i didn't say that <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that does sound like something I do. Yeah, uh, but I'm, not, I'm not taking the piss, man. It genuinely made no, me no. so and much, honestly. The worst, uh, but the thing is, he was quite a young lad as well. And the worst possible thing is when you, you know, like I do pound two every year and stuff like that, and you say to everyone else, you know, right, okay, the kids are coming in now, you know, to rehearse. Yeah. And there's obviously your babes in it. The kids come in to rehearse, right? So, you know, watch it now. We've had a nice day. We've, you know, said jokes and said that. The kids are coming in, you know. And then you walk over to them and you go, oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. And, and you're <laughs> the one that said it, you know. You just think, oh, my God. I just told everyone, you know, oh, and then no. it's got to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Especially in that moment as well where you went, shit. Oh, no, I didn't say that. And then everyone <laughs> laughed. And they just, if you brilliantly just went to Rufus. <laughs> Can that again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, what a job. That made me laugh. Man. We love. Oh, man. But so, Christian, once again, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for this. We've covered, we've covered so much today. We've yeah, covered yeah. Um, Sarah Kane. We've looked at Michael Sheen. Uh, Speak of the devil, while you were just on your phone calls, just released a recording of him doing um, Dylan Thomas, do not go so gentle, do not go gentle into that good night. Oh, something. lovely, yeah. It's on the National Theatre's um, Instagram page, you know, because he'll be rehearsing there now, actually. He's got, he's yeah, doing... yeah, a couple of my friends are in there. Um, oh, Milkwood. Was, uh, even Hugh David, um, he's in there. Lee Mengo, another mate of mine, is in there. And um, one of the guys that I did uh, the workshop with, um, with um, Rufus, uh, Carl Johnson, who's a bit of a, a legend in Wales, he's in it as well. Wow. So, um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. And apparently it's sold out in minutes. Yeah, I was. I've got my ticket. Thankfully, I got it. I'm hey, going, good I'm for you. Going. I haven't got it. I'm hoping they're <laughs> recording it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll put it on National Theatre at home or something. I think. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. But, um, but yeah, I've got my ticket for that, and uh, for the next visit, Afterlife, and there's another play they're doing there, which looks. Uh, I have. I think it's brand new, but Rufus described it, and it sounded amazing. So yeah, and uh, so I can't wait to go back to the national. Obviously, it'll be different: social distancing, face masks. Yeah. yeah, but we'll be back in the theatre nevertheless, which is important. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so but yes, let's draw an end here. Uh, once again, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you again and to talk to you today. Um, if you just hang on after the end of recording, I'll say goodbye to you personally, and then uh, we can but we'll end the recording here so thank you guys for watching thank you for listening for the uncensored critic and i'll be back soon so yeah thank you for listening thank you again christian thank you very much thank you